Beautiful. Well, this morning, uh, we begin a new sermon series called Anxious. We'll be covering for most of the month of January, if not the entire month of January. I thought about sermon series for this, this year and prayed a lot about it and felt led by the Lord to focus here as we begin January together. So grab a Bible and turn to the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 12. In fact, we will be in Luke's Gospel for the majority of this sermon series. Luke chapter 12. We'll cover some other verses this morning as well. Just want to make you aware. In fact, we'll spend most of our time in Luke chapter 12, verses 4 through 7. You'll notice that the title of today's message is Worth the Wait. That is not a typo. That is not a misspelling. It's a play on words there. We're not talking about worth the wait, W-A-I-T, in terms of waiting and time. But we're talking about worth the wait in terms of what weighs you down, what's heavy upon you. So let's take a look at Luke chapter 12, verses 4 through 7. If you don't have a Bible, you can grab a pew Bible and turn to page 871 in your pew Bible. Luke chapter 12, verses 4 through 7. Hear God's word this morning. Jesus says, I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body. And after that, have nothing more that they can do. But... I will warn you whom to fear. Fear him who, after he is killed, has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? And not one of them is forgotten before God. Why, even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not. You are of more value than many sparrows. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would come this morning and would bless the reading, the teaching, the preaching of your word so that we might be drawn to you your spirit might dissect our hearts and our minds, that we might be transformed by your word this day. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You've got nothing to worry about because nothing is going to be all right. How do you like that quote? You've got nothing to worry about because nothing is going to be all right. Who, who is famous for that quote? Well, I don't know that you've ever met him, but his name is James Herbert Klein, my grandfather. Whenever my grandmother would, would just roll off a litany of fears and what-ifs, my grandfather would usually look at her and say, and I didn't say this Exactly the way he says it, he would say, you ain't got nothing to worry about, darling, because ain't nothing going to be okay. But I knew that would make some of you that are grammar police shiver in the, in the sanctuary this morning. Now, maybe you see a little bit of where I get my sense of humor from. It's from my grandfather. But behind that sense of humor, he was only trying to get my grandmother to laugh and have her attention diverted just a little bit from her, her fears and anxieties. But behind that sense of humor for my grandfather is a very strong biblical worldview. 
See, my grandfather understands that in this world there will be trials, there will be tribulations. He has experienced many of them because he knows we live in a fallen world. But he takes comfort in the fact that Jesus is with him through it all. And so this morning we begin our new sermon series called Anxious. How many of you are anxious this morning? Some of our teenagers have to head back, or our, our kids have to head back to school this, this week. Some of our college students are getting ready to start a new semester. Some of you are going to begin a new job, and some of you may feel like it's just the same old, same old, and so you may say, Pastor Tanner, this sermon series is not for me. Well, here are what the statistics say. One out of three adults will experience an anxiety disorder at some point in their lifetime. And so if you haven't experienced anxiety or some anxiety disorder at some point in your life, just wait and see. So maybe this sermon and this sermon series may not be for you today, but it's for you in the future. The statistics say that just... Over the last year, 20% of adults have experienced an anxiety disorder in the past year. And a lot of the, the psychologists, a lot of the sociologists attribute that to the pandemic that we've experienced over the last couple years. I find this very interesting. Almost 32% of teenagers struggle with an anxiety disorder. 32% of teenagers. Shocking. Why is that? We could debate about maybe it's uh, the social media world that they live in, a little bit of the amping up of bullying through social media. But we have a lot of teenagers that battle anxiety every day. What are the main causes of stress and anxiety in an adult's life? Well, the first is money. We've just come through the Christmas season, haven't we? And you know that Santa Claus delivers... He gives you the presents for free, but it's the shipping and handling that's going to cost you come January. Isn't that right? And work. Work is stressful. Companies have laid off people. Companies are not rehiring people. And so more and more work is added to different people. So the workload has been added and thus has come with stress. Another cause of major anxiety in people's life is poor health. And with a pandemic and with COVID, I've seen the anxiety in some of our homes and houses ramp up again. As I've counseled many of you that have had COVID in the past, you're afraid, you're terrified. Some of you are afraid that you're going to catch it again. Anxiety and stress is a part of our lives. And God understands that. And the scriptures address anxiety in our lives. And so this, this morning and over this month, I want us to take a look at how Jesus responds to the anxiety and stress in our lives. And how Jesus comes to recalibrate the focus of our lives. There's a verse that I want you to memorize this month. It's Proverbs chapter 12, verse 25. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 25. One of my New Year's resolutions is I want to memorize more scripture this year. And so this is going to be one of my first memory verses for this year, and I want to challenge you to memorize it as well. We might have included it in some of the liturgy over the next several weeks. 
Here's what Proverbs chapter 12, verse 25 says. Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down. Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down. But a good word makes him glad. As we began preparing and studying for this sermon series, I took a look at the Hebrew and the Greek words that deal with deal with anxiety. And there were over 20 passages that dealt with the issue of anxiety or fear and stress. And the first one I came across was Proverbs chapter 12, verse 25. And I thought, that's a good memory verse. But as we begin this sermon today, as we begin this sermon series, I want to highlight for you some of the broad brushstrokes that the scriptures give us about worry and fear. The first broad brushstroke it gives us is this, that if you're constantly worried about your life, what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear, guess what the Bible says about those things? Don't worry. Don't worry. The only thing that the scriptures say that we should worry about is what? You should be fearful of God. You should be fearful of the fact that one day you're going to stand before the presence of a holy God and you have to give account to him for your sins in your life. A couple of other peculiarities that I found interesting is that in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, the Apostle Paul does concede the fact that when you get married, guess what? You experience more anxiety in your life. <laughs> your spouse will bring more anxiety in your life. Your children will cause more anxiety in your life. And so if you feel distressed this morning by the family that you have, God understands. Also found comfort in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 28. I appreciate the fact many of you tell me, hey, pastor, don't be afraid. God's got the church. God's got you. I appreciate your encouragement. But 2 Corinthians 11, verse 28, the apostle Paul gives this litany of suffering that he's experienced for the sake of Christ's kingdom. But then he adds on the top of that, he said, the cherry on top is all the daily anxiety that I experience for the churches under my care. So that's one example in the scriptures. But the Bible says it's okay to be cautious and anxious about the souls under your care. But this morning I want us to take a look at Luke chapter 12 and ask this question. Are your worries worth the wait? Are your worries worth the wait? In other words, not the W-A-I-T of wait and time, but worth the wait. W-E-I-G-H-T. It says in Proverbs chapter 12 verse 20. Five, that anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down. Are your worries worth the weight? Are they worth the stress that they bring in your life? And I'll say this just an aside. That nothing in your life has to be permanent. If you hate your job, you can get a new job. If you hate your spouse, well, don't get, your, don't get a new spouse. But, but God can change your heart to, to love them and, and care for them and serve them. You hate your church. You can get a new church. Hate your pastor? You can get a new pastor. There are a lot of things that if you, if you hate, you can change. If you hate your car, you can get a new car. If you hate your house, you can sell your house, you can get a new house. There are a lot of things in your life that do not have to be permanent. So there are a lot of things in your life that that's not worth the weight of the stress and the anxiety that it causes you. In your life. And so the way this passage unfolds for us is that Jesus answers the question, are your worries worth the wait? And he answers with two, two points. 
One point he gives us is a tough one. The other point that he gives us is a tender one. And the first answer that Jesus gives us when he answers the question, are your worries worth the wait, is he gives us a tough response and he says this, fear God alone. Fear God alone. Your worries are not worth the weight in them because most of your worries are very insignificant in comparison to the weight of the fact that you're going to stand before a holy God someday and have to give an account to him. And so in verses 4 through 5, essentially we can summarize Jesus' answer to the question by saying, no, your worries are not worth the weight. Rather, you should fear God alone. Let's take a look at what he says in verses 4 through 5. He says, I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body. And after that, have nothing more that they can do. Why is Jesus saying fear only God? Now, the context here is obviously a context of persecution. Jesus is preparing his disciples for the fact that some of them are going to be arrested. They're going to be brought before governors and kings. They're going to be asked to give an account for their faith in Jesus Christ. Many of them are going to be commanded to recant of their faith in Jesus Christ. And all of the disciples were martyred except the Apostle John, who lives way into his 80s and his 90s. There's no doubt that the, the specific context of this verse is the fear of persecution. But related to that fear is the fear of death. But what does Jesus say to them? Don't be afraid of man. Don't be afraid of death. J.C. Ryle says that the problem that Jesus addresses in this passage is the fear of man. What will they say about me? What will they think about me? What will they do to me? And what does Jesus say in the face of all those worries that are fear of man? Jesus says, fear God alone. And so Jesus highlights, in verse 5, the correction to our fears. He says in verse 5, and it's a tough point, but I will warn you whom to fear. In other words, Jesus says, I'll tell you what to be afraid of. I'll tell you who to fear. It's not your friend. It's not your neighbor. It's not your coworker. It's not your family member. It's not a fellow church member. Here's whom you are to fear, verse 5. I will warn you whom to fear. Fear him. Who after he has killed you has authority to cast into hell. Now obviously Jesus isn't talking about God in some malicious way. As if he's out looking to murder someone. He's looking to shank somebody as they walk by him in the alley. Or down the aisle of the public uh, grocery uh, shopping center. No. And what, what Jesus is saying here is that the one we are to fear is we are to fear God alone. Who is the holy God. Who has the ability that after we die to cast us into hell. The word there is Gehenna, which means the valley of Hanon. In the Old Testament, it was the trash dump outside of Jerusalem where fires burned constantly. In 2 Chronicles, we find that it was a place, this valley of Hanon was a, a place that was notorious for human sacrifices under the reigns of Ahaz and Manasseh. Jeremiah called it the valley of slaughter because it was a symbol of God's fearful judgment. In other words, the point that Jesus is making is that your worries are not worth the weight that you experience. 
Because they're insignificant in light of the only one whom you should fear, which is God. And in light of eternity. So the way Jesus responds to us first in this passage is he handles it pretty tough. He comes with a very firm response and says, fear God alone. There's a book that I've enjoyed reading. I mean, I, I, say, I use the word enjoy loosely because it's a very heavy book. But it's uh, a book written by J.C. Ryle called The Five English Reformers. Uh, if you don't have it, you can go to a good Christian bookstore here in Bartow and, uh, and ask them to order it for you. Uh, it highlights five Protestant reformers that were martyred under the reign of what we've been known as Bloody Mary. And one of those that was martyred under the reign of, of, of Mary was a bishop by the name of John Hooper. And as John Hooper was standing there ready to be executed and martyred for his faith, he was ready to be burned at the stake, he was given an opportunity to recant, and here is what has been recorded as the words of John Hooper. Life is sweet and death is bitter. Life is sweet and death is bitter. But eternal life is more sweet and eternal death is more bitter. What do we hear in the words of John Hooper? A man of God who understood the word of God. That even the face of death and martyrdom. He feared God alone. I can't imagine a situation or circumstance that could cause the most anxiety and stress in our lives than to be put to death for our faith. And in the face of certain death, John Hooper said, life is sweet, death is bitter, but eternal life is more sweet and eternal death is more bitter. Why? Because he understood the words of Jesus in Luke chapter 12, verse 5. That the worries of this world, even the worry of death and martyrdom, is not worth the wait. Because we are to fear God alone. What are you afraid about today? What are you worried about today? Jesus says to you, stop worrying about it. Don't worry about them. Don't fear them. Just fear me. See, even in those tough words, you see how they're really tender. That's why Jesus goes from this very tough point of fear God alone to this very tender point when he says in verses 6 through 7, know that your heavenly Father cares for you. 
That's the tender point he gives us. When he asks the question, when he answers the question, are your worries worth the weight? The answer is no, your worries are not worth the weight. Do you know why? Because your heavenly Father cares for you. Look at what he says in verses 6 through 7. He says, are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? I just find it astounding that Jesus goes from this very harsh talk about, hey, don't worry about them, fear God, he'll cast you into hell, and now he starts going talking about a bird lesson. Does anybody find that just a little bit odd? Or is it just me in the, in, in the pastor's study? Doesn't that seem like a very abrupt change of attention and focus? What's Jesus doing? He's going from making a very tough point to a very tender point. He's asking the question, Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? The answer is yes. In other words, five sparrows at that day and time were sold for about an hour's wage. So what's, what's, what's a minimum wage now? How much is an hour now? Is it like $10 an hour? $10, $10.50 an hour? So you, you, buy, you buy five sparrows for $10. What's the point Jesus makes? He says, are not five sparrows sold for two pennies, and not one of them is forgotten before God. The point Jesus is making is look at something that is viewed as one of the most insignificant things in all of creation. And yet I want you to notice that even though you're poor and you regard sparrows as good to eat, and they were sought after by the poor because they were inexpensive, you view them as very insignificant, you, you view them as disposable, but in God's eyes, not even a sparrow is forgotten. What's the point Jesus is making? Are your worries worth the wait? No. Why? Because your heavenly Father cares for you. So look at what he says in verse 7. Why, even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Some of you washed your hair before you came to church today. Or some of you washed it last night. And you lost hairs in the, in the bathtub, in the shower. Some of you combed your hair before you came to church today. And you, you don't realize it, but some of those hairs got stuck in your, your brush. And you know what? This morning, while you were clueless and oblivious to the fact about it, in fact, you were probably barking at your children to get ready for church, because you have to do that, right? It's a spiritual battle. You were losing hairs, and even in the midst of that, God knew the numbers of your hairs of your head and he knows it even right now as you sit here. What's the point Jesus is making? Your worries are not worth the wait. Because your heavenly father cares for you. He knows what you need. That's why he says in verse 7, Why even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, for you are of more value than many sparrows. In other words, Jesus is saying, I remember a, a situation that happened in my uncle's life that caused him a lot of fear and anxiety. I have an uncle who's only about three years older than I am. He's like a big brother to me. And he wrecked his first car. He lost control and went over a median in, in the face of, 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 of traffic. 
crashed into the side of a mountain in, in West Virginia. After I found out that he was fine, he was okay, I remember going to my grandparents' house and visiting with my uncle. He was only about 17 at the time. And show you a little bit of insight in my personality, I was hoping that he would be grounded because I think he went somewhere he wasn't supposed to go that day when he wrecked his car. And I was, I was there just kind of watch my grandfather dish out the punishment to him. I'll never forget going into my grandparents' house and seeing my grandfather sitting there. And I was trying to get the, the, the dirty gossip scoop on the, how badly my, my uncle was going to be punished. I remember asking my grandfather, so what are you thinking, grandfather? What are you thinking, grandpa? I'll never forget what he said. I'm thanking God that no one was hurt today. I can replace a car, but I can't replace a son. What did I hear in my grandfather's words that day? A father that cared for his son. Do you know why you worry? Do you know why I worry? One of the main reasons you worry and one of the main reasons I worry is because at the end of the day, we doubt that God truly cares for us. We doubt that he cares, and we doubt that he can control it. Are your worries worth the wait? According to Jesus? No. Not at all. Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. Fear God alone and know that he truly, truly cares for you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that your word assures us of who you are. what you've done on our behalf in Christ and what you continue to do on our behalf. As we learned in Sunday school this morning, as we were reminded in Sunday school this morning, oh God, you are in control of all creation through your good providence. You're in control of your church and you're in control of our salvation through your sovereign grace. So, Lord, what I pray is that you would help us to face 2022 with a godly biblical perspective. Knowing that you're a holy God, you're a sovereign God. In the light of any of the circumstances and situations we face, no one or nothing is to be feared 
accept you. As your scriptures teach us, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Help us to not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let us make our request known to you, O God. And may your peace, O God, which surpasses all understanding, be ours through Christ Jesus our Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.